to Steam State of Mind, your favorite source for all things Steam education. Steam State of Mind. This isn't just science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. It's a state of mind, a different way to approach education in the classroom. Steam State of Mind. Enjoy these conversations with educators, students, and community members as we explore what it means to be in a Steam State of Mind. Steam State of Mind. <laughs> from Kettering. It's Carrie. And I'm Bern. And we are here with our guest, Valerie Dupler, to talk about curriculum with a STEAM mindset. Welcome, Valerie. Great to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So why don't you, for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself, your educational background, and your current position here in the Kettering Schools. Okay. Well, um, I have, this is actually my 25th year in Kettering Schools, my 30th year in education. And I have always wanted to be a teacher and be in education. So um, I went to school to become a special educator, and I worked with students with disabilities uh, for several years. Then I became a special ed supervisor and worked with kids and families and teachers, and then an elementary principal and got to work with uh, the 12 and under crowd, which I love, and got that privilege. And then um, now I am working with all of our elementaries here in Kettering as the elementary teaching and learning coordinator. So some districts call that a curriculum coordinator or curriculum director. And that's what I'm doing currently. And why do we have teaching and learning directors at our secondary and elementary level? Why are are those important positions? Um, I think they're important positions so that there is consistency from uh, pre-K through 12 to support our students and our staff. Uh, Also to um, look at what we are using um, on a daily basis, what materials and things we are using to work with kids. Um, Also looking at instructional best practices, not just the actual. I think curriculum people think about just books right? Um, or computer programs. And, and that is a big part of it. But the biggest part of it is the people, right? right. I mean, we're in, the, we're in the business of human, I say. That's our business. So it's also looking at um, best teaching practices, best assessment practices, um, things like that. And we have a team, a great team that does that. Absolutely. I, I always say, I don't think there's any more um, business out there that that is like we are and that is the people business without the people we got nothing so right. absolutely that human element is so important and the other part that when you're talking about um people look at the curriculum director or the curriculum leader and their position and what they do you know um people kind of visualize them sitting in their office with all these textbooks and these people coming in and selling their programs and selling their whatever. But you, you taught, you just said, you know, that really um, developing a good curriculum and being a curriculum leader, that the human aspect of it is much more important than, you know, the textbook that is adopted or whatever, that kind of thing. Can you explain that a little bit more, what you mean by that? Sure. Um, I think that 
the, you know, somebody coming in with textbooks or materials and looking at the usability of those and the um, content of those is part of the job. But the biggest part of the job, you know, curriculum is about helping students learn. So we have to get out there into the buildings. We talk to teachers all the time and get input and meet with them about, again, about best practices, about the learning standards or learning outcomes. Um, the books are important and the materials are really important, but most important is how are we going to help our students grow and learn and acquire and maintain skills that are going to help them, you know, in the future to be employable and be independent. And so, yes, we do look at curriculum, of course, but we also are looking at the sequence of it and um, the assessments of it, checking to make sure that it's um, working, you know, is is it a good curriculum? Uh, Also, looking, talking with teachers, like what are the barriers? What are the uh, positives you're seeing? When do you see growth? How do you see growth? All of those things. And so, you know, we are out there talking to teachers one-on-one, talking to groups of teachers, um, brainstorming best practices and and sharing that. And it's a lot of communication and collaboration also. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about, and Carrie, you're probably going to ask this question, but what is the difference between a standard and curriculum and so because i get this argument well i don't know if it's an argument but that definition of well the standards that's our curriculum the textbooks and the resources and all that stuff those are resources to teach the standards okay so can you clarify what this is I sure I can try. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, That's all we can do here. Is, I uh, hear like my mom and dad in my head when I hear standard, like kind of that high standard. A standard really, I think, is an outcome. It's what is expected to be learned or achieved, you know, maybe by the end of a school year, right? What are the right. standards we want to achieve? You know, keep that high standard. Um, and the curriculum, I think, is the the means to get there are part of the means to get there. It's kind of the day-to-day skills you're teaching. It's the sequence of skills and the um, reteaching and reinforcing of skills. So I think the curriculum is kind of the means to the end, and the end is that standard. Right. You want to make sure that... The curriculum is kind of the building block or kind of, you know, you start with the foundation and you build on that, and that's where that curriculum helps you build up to that sort of mastery of that standard, I would assume. Exactly. Out, out in the classroom. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So so let's let's talk a little bit about and Bern and I always like to talk about standardized testing when we're um, on these podcasts. <laughs> Our favorite topic, right? Favorite well Burns anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do these high stakes tests um, influence decision making in the world of curriculum? Well, you know, standardized tests <sighs> They get a bad rap, um, but I like to frame anything um, as that there is, you know, we can get some good out of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the good things I think about standardized test is kind of exactly that word standardized. It does help us focus our instruction and our teaching and our learning um, for developmentally appropriate skills for kids. Um it's a benchmark. It's a guide for us. So having that standardized test 
helps us have kind of that goal to work toward and making sure that our standards are high and that we meet those goals. Um, of course, the caution in a standardized test is that um, we don't always want to narrow our instruction just to teach to the test, right? right? Um, and so I think that we just have to be um, cognizant of that and very cautious. You know, we want to make sure that some of our learning, of course, happens organically, right? That's right. Uh, there is a lot of excellent and sometimes our most important learning happens organically and can be very impactful. So um, I think standardized tests are important so that there's some consistency and we know then that all students are have that standard to, um, you know, adhere to and work toward. Um, but we also want to be a little bit cautious. You know, those standardized tests a lot of times are one day, they are snapshot of one moment in time. And if that's a tough day or someone's not feeling well, mm -hmm. you know, you may not sure. get that performance. And so um, while they are important, I think we equally have to pay attention to formative assessments, which are those assessments we do kind of on a daily or weekly periodic basis, because that is a little bit more of a picture um, of all time. You know, I, th I think about like maybe cooking. I could cook a meal and just bomb it, right? And that, that day and <laughs> I time. I would bomb it every time. <laughs> Nobody likes to eat my cooking. Your, your whole, you know, the cook in the kitchen, that's your whole I know, analogy. That you, yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I, I need, I, I need a chef to help me. I'll yeah. follow the directions, but I need a yeah. chef to show me what to put right. in the pan. And yeah. Yeah. But you know, you could bomb a meal on a Wednesday night, mm -hmm. but if you've cooked pretty darn good meals, you know, for the last 10 years, well, you might be a pretty good chef or cook, yeah. right. but that one time. So I think standardized testing, that analogy is, um, the, it's really important, but typically you're doing that on one day for 90 minutes mm -hmm. or a couple of hours. And so I think we just have to be a little bit cautious about that, right? And, right. I, and I think what we've determined when we talk about testing all the time, we talk about it on this podcast, is that it has its place. But it's just one ingredient in that whole meal of yes. the thing we call curriculum and school and learning and growing. So I think it's just one part of that. Yeah. And what I liked about what Valerie was talking about is that that um, the formative assessment and the summative assessment and the standardized assessments, all of that, they all have their purpose and mm -hmm. their meaning. And so like... When I was in the classroom, I, I, okay, but I'm a data geek. Um, there's a couple of people out there that are like, oh my God, burn, just give it to burn and he'll explain all the data and what all this means. And he'll give it to, you know, he'll explain it to us. But I would love to, and I miss this part of being in the classroom, believe it or not. I would love to take the data that um, I would get from like the iReady assessment or from the standardized tests that, you know, that they would take at the end of the year. Um, and, and break down that data to see, well, okay, how can I use that to improve my teaching? Where, what are my, you know, what are the trends, you know, like the three-year trends and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then when it came to the, um, in the classroom, when these students had to take these, um, uh, let's say when I was there, it was like a, that I ready test and they would do that. And then I would dissect that the specific needs. Okay, this is what the student need needs and then tailored it. But it takes a lot of time to do that. And, 
you know, whatever. But, you know, if we, you know, so testing, I agree, has its specific um, formative assessments so important. All of these testings, they have their place. But is that what we base our curriculum on? Well, and the resources that we buy and stuff like that, you know, I think what I'm hearing you say, Valerie, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier about the curriculum is to help the students get meet those high standards that, you know, that are expected that of the said, student yeah. of the year. And we just developed, the, we, we try to give um, teachers the resources and the curriculum they need to help them get that student to achieve that. Not so much that they're going to achieve to pass a standardized test, but to, you know, achieve, you know, to learn, you know, what they need to learn. Learn and grow. Yes. Well, and, and so so a, a, a good, effective teacher will take that data from those standardized tests, from those assessments, and use that to see what's working and what's not working. What do I need to do differently to help my kids grow? And so I think it does have an important place in in our our school world, and I think it's got a it's something that that you can look at as um, sort of a a help as a teacher to to help you learn to do things differently, better, um, to so that your kids are growing. And I think that's bottom line what it's all about is getting your kids to learn and grow. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Now we can overtest. Well, yeah. You know, like they're. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I look at don't all these get testing. started on this. Uh, yeah, don't. Okay, all right. That'll be another topic <laughs> at another time. But it's like, oh, my God, okay. You know, so I, I, I truly believe that the test has to be purposeful. Yeah, absolutely. And that we, we just don't test a kid to test a kid. You know, there has to be a, an outcome that we are, you know, like, okay, what's the reason for this test and why are we doing it? And is it, does it, does this test meet the needs of what we are looking for? So that. The same could probably be said for homework, but that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole, oh my God, that's a whole nother podcast. But okay. So, but, so testing has changed the curriculum and, you know, uh, like what a, you know, a curriculum leader does or whatever, but what else has changed in the curriculum world since you have been in education? Um, I do think that we have more focused standards and benchmarks. Um, you know, back in the day, I can I can remember doing my dinosaur unit yeah. with my students because <laughs> I, I, I love dinosaurs. And, <sighs> and so, you know, we would read books about dinosaurs. We would talk about vocabulary. We would, um, you know, make dinosaurs. We would write about dinosaurs, you know, for sometimes weeks on end, right? Um, <laughs> because Valerie likes dinosaurs. Yeah, or mm-hmm. sports. I you know, love sports, always had a sports theme. Or, you know, it's the famous elementary penguin theme. You know, everybody loves penguins right. in the winter. And so the while those themes are engaging and important, and I don't think we have to totally throw those in the trash, but we have to make sure, um, you know, how I think curriculum has changed is that they've still kept some of those engaging themes and things, but they also have, you know, again, benchmarks to meet or, or standards to meet so that it's clear. I know what my end product needs to look like for these kids. Right. Um, Why are we studying penguins? Right. And what, what's <laughs> what the, skills? What's, what skills, what is needed? Like, you know, the theme penguins can still exist, but within that theme, are we teaching 
the standards and the outcomes that are supposed to, and that's where the STEAM mindset comes in. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I think a couple other, the other, I would say, couple of big things that have changed, I think, since I started my career is um, just the digital age is here. I mean, mm-hmm. the technology um, is a game changer, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, just access to information and manipulation of information and all those kinds of things. Um, and then the other thing is just our access globally, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember being in college with the Sunday night long-distance phone call home. Right. You know, I had no idea what was going on back here in Dayton and Kettering area yeah. when I was a couple of hours away at, at college. Um, now... Well, now we have I know everything kids visiting the Eiffel Tower with their right. with their goggles. You know, it's so cool. They're you know, yeah. VR goggles. It's it's yeah. awesome. And, and uh, yeah. we just had a teacher who had a um, a polycom a, a live conversation with another school in Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. And How and cool. her yeah her kids you know were doing that. So it's just, you know I had to wait till Sunday night to find out what was happening <laughs> back home. You had to wait in line at the phone. Yeah. Oh, right. hanging on the wall. Yeah. To call and home. paid, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I think our curriculum and our teaching and learning has changed a lot. You know, benchmarks, digital or you know, technology and then just that global it's we're in the global age, you know. Sure. Well, and kind of expanding on that organic part of teaching and learning that you talked about. How does the STEAM mindset play a role in curriculum development? Oh my gosh. Um, the, you know, it's the, a mouthful. The STEAM mindset, I think people think sometimes uh, one misconception is it's one more thing. Like, oh, we have to do STEAM now. <laughs> yeah, It's not really something you do, which I know is why we do this podcast and other things, but it really is a mindset, which yes. it's, it's the integration of, um, it's the collaboration, it's the critical thinking and the creativity. And one of the things I think is the problem solving because problem solving comes in place, I think, in everything we do. There Mm -hmm. has to be problem solving in our communication sometimes (laughs) when Mm -hmm. the communication may not be on point. Um, There's problem solving in our creativity. You know, we try something, it doesn't work. We have to problem solve it or it does work, but then we want to problem solve how to make it better. So that STEAM mindset, I think, is just huge in um, real life application. You know, anything real life is more engaging, right? And so um, you get high engagement, you often get high product then or high outcome. Um, and learning for our kids. So I don't know if I, did I answer that question? You did. Or? And you know what? We did not prompt Valerie on that. She just gets I know. the STEAM mindset. I know. She, she did. Gets she it. gets it. <laughs> it <was Yep>. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> With that STEAM mindset, though, is that, you know, um, I think um, when you have an adoption of a specific thing, you know, like let's say the, right now the language arts, there's adoptions of the wonders, and then we have science fusion, and we have, you know, all these different programs, stuff like that, social studies weekly. And so I think teachers um, feel feel that they have to follow the the textbook and because that's what, you know, the district is expecting of them to do is to follow this you know, series that they spend 
thousands and thousands of dollars on and they you've gone to workshops you all this stuff and so you know in the steam mindset it's that integration that problem solving and it's that taking um having kids being highly engaged and you know that type of thing so how how do you feel the adoptions of these specific um you know textbooks and like wonders of science fiction stuff like that how can that be part of the steam mindset um a couple things come to mind there it it's those things that we adopt are tools. I always say nothing, nothing takes the place of our teachers <laughs> and their experience Amen. and their knowledge and their problem solving, right? That's mm-hmm. what they do all day, every day, because we work in the business of human and human is not a, you know, a neat clean, um, in a wrap it up with a bow in a package kind of thing. I mean, humans come with all kinds of things all day long. Um, and so first of all, we have to rely on our teacher's experience and knowledge. The curriculum or, or like the, um, materials for, uh, wonders for ELA or Eureka for math or science fusion for science and studies weekly for s- social studies. Those are tools to get there. And I think one of the most exciting things for me is when I see and hear our staff and, and we're part of that and, and, and burn is a, I mean, you as the steam district steam coach, you are a huge part of that. This is the correlation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's looking at um, a wonders anchor text and then pulling in, th- you know, maybe it's something about music. And then so we're pulling in the arts and you're, you're getting your ukulele out and, mm-hmm. and, and talking about sound, which is, meets our science standards. Or you might be talking about where um, that this particular music comes from, a certain culture, or, um, and that might bring in some social studies standards. And so it's taking all of those standards and integrating them and looking at that correlation that's that STEAM mindset. So we can still use our core curriculum, but what we should be doing, maybe not every minute of every day, right. that's a big sure. ask, but in general is thinking about how do they relate? How do, they, how do we integrate them? Because that is highly engaging for kids and it brings in all kinds of different skills and well, so. and that's the other part when you're talking about that integration is, and we've talked about this before, there's not enough time in the day to right. go through and teach every every standard, everything or whatever to a mastery level. And that's why that integration piece is so important because you need to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that that's kind of what you're saying in the, the, you know, like wonders and science fusion and, you know, all this stuff, those are tools to get there. It's not the... Um, so it's a lot with the teacher efficacy, you know, that, you know, the tools there to help, they're there to help, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, they can be used in the best way that the teacher feels that it's the best way. Am I saying that correctly? I don't want to put no, words in your mouth. you absolutely are. Okay. And there all are right. times, there are times when all of us get, I think, caught up in the I don't want to call our curriculum or our materials minutia, but in the details, right? Mm-hmm. And sometime, and I love that about our staff. I, I cannot express how much I love our Kettering teachers and staff and support staff. 
They work so hard and they care so much about children and about helping them learn and grow. And so sometimes I think it, it's easy to get stuck in, oh, this is chapter one, you know, module two, right. and I need to make sure. It's easy to do that. And and so always I am saying, yep, that's important. Chapter one, module two is important. But what is most important is that teacher efficacy. What do you know as a teacher that your kids need? Yeah. And then use that as a tool. Yeah. Use, use those materials as I, a I mean, tool. Well, and I, I was just going to say, I, and I don't think it hurts to to reiterate what goes into the adoption of these tools i mean oh yeah that's you know important. and it, i mean it it it's not it's not a you know where a salesperson shows up in your office Valerie and you look and you say oh that looks like that might work the people involved the time involved and looking to make sure that that particular tool is going to fit into all of these different pockets is it, you, that you can adapt it to a steam mindset that you can you know, teach it and kids will learn and they will be engaged. I think that process, it doesn't hurt to remind people what we do here in Kettering before we put that tool in front of that child. Um, Okay, so when we look at adopting a curriculum for a specific subject, it is a multi-year, multifaceted, uh, multi-people involved, multi-everything, and it takes a long time. And we are looking at those big ideas like STEAM mindset, digital um, access for our students and staff. And uh, we're looking, of course, at the standards, what is our end result. And then we look at the research, of course, and we're looking at the data and seeing if this tool has gotten good reviews, not just um, by the researchers, which that is important. The re, you know the researchers do lots of comparisons and and things like that, but also from the practitioners. So we look at what teachers have to say about it. What is the outcome they have seen with this curriculum program? And so you start kind of big, and then of course we uh, gather our experts here locally um, or in our surrounding districts or surrounding states, and we look at what have their outcomes been and what are the barriers, the pros or the cons. And, um, and then we go through a whole big process. We, there's a lot of surveys. We talk to families. We uh, talk to our instructional services council that we have here in Kettering, which is amazing um, and includes uh, parents and families and family members, board members, uh, teachers, administrators, and even our own high school students. Um, to get their feedback on curriculum. Um, and then, of course, we have to look at the, the details of the curriculum. Is it, is it easy to use? Not easy, but right. is it usable? Sure. Is it engaging? Um, does it address our Ohio learning standards and outcomes we'd like to see for our students? Um, you know, does it represent our student body and our community? So you're looking and content, of course, the academic content, right? And so you just look at a lot of different things. And so there, there are surveys. And, and then we do talk to publishers. Like you said, there's somebody that comes in and, and shows it to you. Um, but we narrow that down because there are hundreds, right? Tens of hundreds of things we can look at. So we narrow it down to what we think are the three to five probably best choices and and we go through a process with all of those experts and families and kids, and then we choose 
one or two and we pilot so that we can really dig into it and look at what the uh, maybe pros and or um, needs are of it. And then then we finally get to an adoption. Um, and we consider, of course, uh, the, the cost of it as well. You know, it's important that we're fiscally responsible mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so that has, to, so there's a lot of different things that are considered. Well, um, and there's no perfect program. There's no perfect, and that's something that, you know, we have to take in consideration and there's no perfect program or anything. And then, you know, throughout my career, I know I've always challenged curriculum directors and I've even talked to you about some of these things. It's like, do we really need to adopt something? Can't we just, you know, whatever we're doing? <laughs> and, you know, it's something that, you know, Valerie has told me, it's like, okay, burn, you're able to pull this and you're a chef, you know, like, you know, when you do this, you can pull things off the shelf, but not everybody thinks like that. Not everybody has that mindset or that chef being able to pull things together and fit it all together. Some people need a, a, a more um, structured tool to help them. And then over time they start dissecting the book and start feeling, Oh yeah, that could fit there. And, and so, you know, there is the need for guidance because everybody, it's a differentiated way of, you know, one, right. well, it kind of harkens back needs. to what Val said at the very beginning, why we have curriculum leaders, because we do need that consistency. And that is what these yeah. tools help to provide is that consistency so that we are working toward, those goals and those standards in, in our classrooms, you know, we can't, you know, there, there, I mean, I, I kind of feel like when I started in this business a long, 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 long time ago, there were kind of, it kind of was a little bit the wild, wild west. I mean, it was, you know, I, well, when I first um, you know, started three teaching, decades ago, you kind of you do what you want do whatever you wanted to in your classroom. Yeah. And, and, okay. you know, I'm not sure that that was probably the right way to do it. I think, I think having some consistency and, and, you know, tools across the board that, that, you know, all of our teachers can use to help those kids grow and learn, uh, is important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I just have one more, and this is like off the beaten path, but I, I just want your take on service learning. So service learning <laughs> and service learning, that approach has kind of, um, that is, that has, has, uh, it's getting ground in school districts, all over, you know, it's it's always been something that we've seen, say, in our private and parochial schools, but it's getting ground in public schools now. So, how do you see this approach, this service learning approach, growing in Kettering? Okay, let's take a short break from the podcast and let's talk about what is service learning. And there's an article um, from Ed Utopia. Um, written by Heather Galron. And what she said is that according to Vanderbilt University, service learning is defined as a form of experiential education where learning occurs through a cycle of action and reflection as students seek to achieve real objectives for the community and a deeper understanding and skills for themselves. Now, that seems like a kind of a complicated you know, um, definition. And so she also puts in her article about what Wikipedia explains what service learning is. And Wikipedia says it's an educational approach that combines learning objectives with community service in order to provide a pragmatic, progressive learning experience while meeting societal needs. And so I think the second 
definitions easier, but it's a little more integrated than just a simple, let's find a problem in the community and let's solve that problem. It's much more um, integrated than that simple definition. So that is service learning. And now back to the podcast. Well, I think um, I go back to we are in the business of human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it really comes down to it, and I think in all aspects of life, it comes down to people, right? Mm-hmm. When something's great, what do you do? You want to call. You want to call your friends, your spouse, your parents, whomever. Uh, when something's bad, what do you want? You want the person that's a comfort to you, right? It's all about the people. And so service learning, that really addresses community issues and real issues and human issues. And I think actually service learning um, would foster continued or or more higher engagement in learning, Yeah, really. Um, I think students and staff and even family members – you know, may invest, really want to invest their time and effort in that learning when it's service oriented. Um, There's something to be said for like that research in your community of what's needed and then taking action. You know, there's, there's that um, collaboration and that creativity and communication and taking action and then being able to reflect on, on the good that the outcome is typically good, right? in mm-hmm. service learning because you um, well, you create it. And so right. It, right. it's usually You're a good outcome. You're making right. is, um, is it going too far to say that service learning can be kind of organic in that spirit chain? Is that not service yes. learning? Um, you know, <laughs> KMS and Orchard Park were both awarded for their participation in, in holiday aid and, and collecting food items for the food bank. Is that not organic service learning? It, it doesn't have to be in the curriculum book. Can't that be done organically? And I think, don't we do a great job of that here in Kettering across the board? Those are just a couple examples. Carrie, I could not have said that better. Yes, the answer is a resounding absolutely yes. I think sometimes our best projects are those that are organic. Right. And, um, and so our planned ones are as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you see... Um, something in need in your community, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, things like fires and uh, homes and mm-hmm. families. And then what happens is the community rallies and well, and the kids yes. rally. And, and, and kids are and learning from that. They're they learning. are learning. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's not just the um, people skills and communication problems. They're learning also, they have to do some math and, and social studies mm-hmm. and, and writing and reading and those kinds of things. You know, it's sure. also very academic as well. Right. So, yeah. Good. That's that awesome. makes me feel better because I think we, you know, people say sometimes you get a bad rap in public schools that, oh, you don't have a service learning requirement. Well, no, we don't require it. But guess what? Our kids do it anyway. That's right. <laughs> because they're Kettering kids. Yep. That's right. Those awesome Kettering kids. Yep. <laughs> well, I, your job is so, um, I, I can't, I, I'm glad I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> and because everybody questions, you know, 
your decisions and you know um the buck stops with you um well kind of you know whatever however but <laughs> you know and so um there's so many but the, i i think you helped clear up some misconceptions or um things that you know are misunderstood and how the process goes through um you know and all the details with it and i think this is going to be helpful not just for the kettering you know listeners but you know wherever worldwide something what a curriculum director or whatever teaching learning person does to help their staff and no matter what you do you're going to be wrong kind of like a politician <laughs> but also you're going to be doing a lot of right and you you definitely have your heart in the right place with helping kids so i thank you for that that's really nice well thank you but it it's a team effort it, i mean i always everything's a team mm -hmm. right. so i mean i rely on um, our teachers, families give great ideas. Students, of course, are a great source of uh, motivation. Motivation, mm -hmm. you know, sure. they they are what motivates us, and and our you know our teaching and learning department and all of our departments. And right. it's such. I think folks don't realize how collaborative it is that. You know, I work with Carrie all the time. I was in the treasurer's office this morning. I'm, I uh, talked to a principal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so in a in a building. It's so collaborative. So thank you to you for your role too. And and um, well, and you are the best type of be. support because if if you ever want to find Valerie, don't go to her office. She's not sitting at her desk. She's yeah. out in the buildings, <laughs> out in the classrooms, which is the best kind mm. of of you know leader you can have is somebody who is there in the trenches, um, listening. That's, and and you that's know the key, Carrie, listening right and, there and collaborating yeah and um you know being a team member that's that's really what makes a really good leader so thanks well thank you we, I just have a lot of respect for um just all facets of our organization from you know our children our families well, wow what supportive families we have and commun community oh my gosh oh yeah <laughs> um and the city I mean there's just we're just so very lucky to be here and our staff. You know, I say it all the time. I'd put our staff up against they're the best anybody. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, okay. guess what, Coach? Yes, I'm Coach ready. S, our question comes from Amanda today. Mm -hmm. Amanda asks, "I'm a music teacher. How can I support the other letters in STEAM? So we have science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. How can a music teacher support those other letters?" So, um, the big. What, what I love about Amanda, because Amanda and I actually were talking about some of this, and um, and she was like, well, here, how can I do this? And I was like, that'd be a great podcast question. So that's why it's <laughs> Thank here. you, Amanda. And so, yeah. And so, um, you know, when you think about the arts and like for her, for music, think about how much science is involved. Think about how much engineering of the instruments and of the getting the right pitches and all of this stuff. And you think about the mathematical aspect of music with the, you know, the quarter notes, the half notes right. and all of the rhythms and the beats and all that stuff or whatever. And you think about also the language arts, the history of how these songs and this music came about and the different genres of the music and you know, all this stuff, it can be so integrated. And so, you know, like you can hit all of these different, um, you know, disciplines across the, sure. you know, everything. The, the big thing that I think, and this is with the STEAM mindset, 
where I think somebody like Amanda who wants to start, you know, um, getting into more of the, you know, um, not just in music classes, just music class or whatever. But I think the barrier has to do with the mindset of music is a special, you know, mm-hmm. art is a special, you know, and, you know, you know, physical education is a special instead of being part of the, you know, part of the classrooms that, you know, student educational through a, you know, it's not something experience, special. It can yeah, be integrated. Yes. Yeah. And so I think um, it just takes time to change that culture. And I'm working on, you know, that mindset and trying to develop things. Um, and so here's something that's exciting. One of the um, at one of the elementary schools where you, um, the, um, this was the art teacher reached out and it was like, okay, we met together as, you know, the, what they called the special teachers, you <laughs> know, the, the art and music and the, um, physical education teacher they met and they want to do something steam. They want to do something or whatever. That's all integrated together. So we are actually developing where the, um, we're thinking about doing a theatrical performance where there's going to be dance for the with the um um with the physical education there's going to be art with the the stage design there's going to be writing with the they're going to have their own script and there's going to be music that the students will engineer and develop and so we're going to be we're we're working on something it really is (laughs) i'm very very excited about it but um i think if we can um tear down the silos again that we've discussed many times here and where um, we're not just talking about the core subjects, but also what we call the special subjects, and that they're really part of the whole child experience and a whole part of the child education. And because um, it can easily be all integrated into one, you know, the arts and oh, what absolutely. they do can be integrated in meeting those standards that we talked about. And I can't wait to see this performance. You're going to let us know when that. Yes, I will. It's really cool. I'm really excited. So Sounds great. Well, thanks. Hey, thank you, Carrie. This is another great conversation. Right. And thanks, Val. You were fantastic. Thanks for that great information. Um, It's always nice to just be able to sit here and have a conversation about some really important things that we've got going on in our district. So thanks so much. Thanks so much. It's uh, exciting for me, too, because you are two of our major leaders in this district so smart and smart (laughs) experienced and uh, well we're lucky to have you you as well (laughs) goodness gracious (laughs) thank you coach burn okay well we will see everybody soon or i don't know if we'll see you but we will be back on our next podcast we'll talk to you soon we'll talk to you soon yes (laughs) (laughs) thanks carrie thanks burn